Welcome to section four, Imagination. Here in this episode, in this part four of this four part series, we're gonna talk about imagination and the power of your imagination, of your ideation, of how you think. Logic will take you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. Albert Einstein. In order to find outstanding ideas, you've got to explore a large variety of paths, making distinguished differences between what you offer and what other people are offering. And to make these distinctions between what you're offering and what other people are offering can sometimes be a little tricky. There's so much influence that we have in our society, in our culture, and so many different things that come up when we are thinking about what are some ideas or how to explore and what does it mean to actually find an idea. What is an idea? Do ideas have to be original in order to be effective? Or can they just simply be a combination of two or more different thoughts? Not everything that comes along has to be completely 100% original. In fact, a lot of things that we see on a daily basis are not original. They're not 100% contrived from a zero starting point. There's usually some type of combination of multiple different things that come into play when we're trying to come up with these ideas or when you're trying to come up with something new or something fresh or something groundbreaking. I think it was Paul Rand that said, don't try to be original in your ideas. Just try to be good or just try to be relevant in those ideas. And I will agree 100% that you don't have to be original. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I don't have any, I've looked around on the internet and I looked around these different ideas and I don't see one that's unique or original enough. I just see a bunch of things that other people are doing. And, you know, I don't want somebody to steal my idea. You don't have to worry about someone stealing your idea. A lot of people have ideas about something all the time and they never do anything with it. And then a couple of months later, And I'm pretty sure you've had this experience of seeing your product or service in the marketplace or on the supermarket shelves. You say to your friend next to you, hey, I had that idea. But what did you do with it? Absolutely nothing. So it's not necessarily just having the idea. Having the idea is not enough. You have to do. You have to execute the idea. And we're going to actually talk about that segment in creativity. But for now, when it comes to imagination, imagination is like the beginning. It's like where you completely have complete abandonment of all possible limitations and you just literally fly off the handle mentally and sometimes physically if you're doing sketches or creating a musical piece where you just explore every single rabbit hole that you could possibly find and you try different things and you collide things together and you begin to think of, you know, how how will this, you know, what are some things, what are some ways that I could, you know, 
possibly apply this. And it's really just experimentation, exploration. It can be fun. It can be exciting. It can be completely just off the wall. Even things that don't even make sense. It's just really just during this phase of ideation, when you're imagining something, you're just trying and testing and see how things sound and see how they work and see what they look like and see how they work together and really just having fun and actually enjoying the process of just of just exploring something new and finding something new and seeing if you're going to like it or not. You might not stumble exactly what it is you're looking for from the very beginning, but you can always spend the time to sit down and try to think and try to imagine and, and sketch and listen and see if there's something that might new that might excite you or make you laugh or make you think or give you that aha moment of inspiration and delight. So that is a huge part of the imagination process. Imagination is completely non-linear. It's not a straight path. It's not like, well, I'll start here and then I'll go over and end up here. And it's not a straight line when you're actually into it. You might have an idea of your outcome and you should have an idea of your outcome of what it is that you want to create. Or sometimes you just might be exploring something new, which is absolutely fine. But at this stage, you really don't have to worry about the outcome. It's really just exploring and trying different things and making unique and distinguished combinations of things you may not have experienced before in the past. The imagination has an infinite number of combinations from an infinite number of sources which to draw from. One of the main catalysts for ideas is through an experience. Now, our experience and the way that experience kind of combines itself into something new is something that we have not figured out yet. Because there's so many variables that your mind is pulling from, so many senses, it's pulling from what you see, it's pulling from what you hear, it's pulling from what you felt, it's pulling from what you've heard, and it's pulling from all of these different senses, and it's really, really using itself as an oven to kind of incubate and kind of build upon, building on to something bigger with a with the combination of experiences that you've had. And it's kind of like dreaming with your eyes open in a way where a lot of the experiences that you've had began to compound and they begin to combine and they begin to grow and they begin to manifest and they begin to change and they begin to evolve into something completely unfamiliar on some level. There's a level of familiarity but a lot of it is a level of unfamiliarity or it might be a level of predictability and practicality, but yet the application and the combination is so unique that it's, it's, hard, it's, it's very, very difficult to take your eyes away from it because it's something that's like, oh, this is new. This is something fresh. This is something I can really, really get involved in. So there's that unique, just serendipitous aspect of combining these ideas and can and creating this junction of two seemingly unrelated things into something that that kind of manifests itself into our reality so 
that's the the wonderful thing about about having these using your experiences and as you're immersing yourself in a singular experience and simply being there your your that experience has the opportunity to become embodied by it that's why i think that that's the one unique thing i would say about like going to a movie for example like yeah there's netflix there's hulu there's youtube you can sit and you can watch the movie at home and like you know uh pure HD or, you know, 4K. If you have like a 4K television, you watch it in super high quality. You can do that at home versus paying, you know, $20 per ticket at IMAX to go and and watch it. I mean, you have uh, you have the option to wait and watch it at home. But when you're in a theater, when you go through the ritual and the routine of buying your ticket, picking it up, and the ride there, the ride to the theater, and you get there and you get your tickets and then you, you know, you enter in and it's a completely different type of atmosphere. It's something, it's not your atmosphere. It's not like being at home. There's several different things. There's a much more dynamic environment that you're in versus a static environment. It's, where it's much more dynamic. There's a lot of different things that are fresh perspectives that your that your eyes haven't, you know, fallen asleep to based on familiarity. So you get your popcorn, you get your food or your snacks, your drink, you sit down, you know, there and you're in a room with dozens of other people, if not hundreds of other people. And you're sitting and you're you're having a shared experience. And that is huge when you are having that. And great, it, yeah, it might not be like the highest quality, but they have usually have great sound systems. I will give them that. But there is a uniqueness to having that shared experience where you're laughing in the room with several other people. It's like the the perspective, the the overall ambiance of that experience gets compounded by like twenty fold. And things that are funny are much more funnier. Things that are that are that are inspiring are that much more inspiring. And you want to cheer for the hero, and you want to know what happened. That level of suspense gets completely agitated. It gets it gets pronounced in such a way that only through that combination of having that excitement that usually happens, even not even in not even in sporting events, I would say we had have a much higher drive than a movie theater, but, but having that experience of a movie or even a sporting event even has a huge amount of drive, a huge amount of emotional energy that gets compounded when you're in that room, when you're in that stadium with all of those different people. So all of that really drives itself home and it embeds itself onto you. And that experience are those those experiences that are happening those can greatly can contribute to an idea one of my favorite things to do when i want to come up with an idea or just kind of think and not necessarily really just be inside is taking a walk other people might want to talk to a family member someone else might want to read a book or grab a cup of coffee or catch up with an old friend there isn't one way to actually stimulate your imagination. There's all kinds of ways that it can be done. 
but it's just a matter of taking the time to really, really take the time to just, to just allow it to grow. Just taking that time and allowing that process, allowing that your, your maturity and your imagination to kind of grow into something unique and something solid. You have to be different in some positive way if you want to make a difference in an organization. Now, you might ask, what does this have to do with imagination? It's imagining yourself to be different in order to make that difference in the organization. And it doesn't mean different in a bad way. It means that understanding that there are certain rules and systems in place within every single organization. And although it's usually good intent to grow and to change, to try different things, but over time, things start to slip into complacency. And a lot of the things that were new and fresh become almost routine. And through that routine, those become the gospel truth or the doctrine. And then you're surrounded by sleepwalkers of people that are just following the rules or they're coming up to work just to gain a paycheck. And don't get me wrong. Everyone has their own reasons why they're making that decision. But if you're spending your entire week looking forward to Friday, then you probably need another career choice or at least be working towards something that would bring you joy. And I've spoken to several people. I've listened to them about you know their perspectives on work and their career and the jobs that they've chosen and why they've gotten into what they've gotten into and what they find inspiring and passionate about and really asking you know well why do you do what you do what's important to you in your career and you know most of the time I would get you know well this isn't it you know there's something I you know I'm just doing this just to pay the bills I get it you've got to pay the bills I totally understand that. So if there's something that you could do in your spare time, what do you like to do in your spare time? And some people like to say travel or sleep. It just seems to be an oddly popular answer. Apparently get, people aren't getting enough sleep these days. So that's uh, that seems to be a common go-to, a common place is, I like to sleep. Well, you go right ahead and take your nap. You know, that do, do you. So, <laughs> but uh Yeah, so that's definitely something that gets thrown into routine. It becomes routine. It becomes monotonous. Figuring out what it is that you enjoy doing and that you love and trying to way to infuse that into the organization that you work with. If there's any certain projects that that may pique your interest, ask about them. Or, Or you can even introduce ideas, introduce a project. It's like, you can, if you are not a, in a management position, you can bring something to your supervisor, to your boss. Say, hey, I have an idea about something we had talked about, and I want to explore that a little bit more. Is that something that we have, we might have time in the future for me to kind of, you know, tap into for a little bit? And the worst that can happen is them saying, no, not right now, but maybe in a couple of weeks, once we've gotten this laundry list of projects done. We can go ahead and take a look at that. And that's something that has worked that I've used that actually works if I had an idea. Or let's say that you are in a management position, that you are a manager and someone does come to you and say, hey, I have an idea about a direction I want to go with the project. What do you think of that? Now, if the if you've already cleared out the direction that 
has been established that you'd want to go and there's been it's mandatory i understand there's deadlines there's things that have to come in place but if there's room entertain the idea or if there's not room say no there's not something that we can do right now but maybe we can go ahead and explore that later or if you have any sketches that you want to show me in the future yeah we can definitely revisit it but giving a hard cold no usually doesn't bode well in the future when you do need ideas and that person that you you may have told no initially they might have it might be their their nature to come up with ideas and they might have some very good things in the back burner because i do know from experience that when and i can only speak for myself here but when i have an idea about something usually i'll sketch it out or have some kind of i some kind of global range of the general direction of that that idea can potentially go in. And I usually kind of just have like this laundry list of like ideas that are either half baked or that I've touched on, or maybe even did like some light research on because I just wanted to have a little bit more substance to what um, the direction that it could potentially go in um, and kind of like, you know, rectifying my ignorance with some truth so I can go ahead and embed that and make this project much more reliable and um, and practical um, in application. So aside from that, you know, making a difference in, 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 in an organization, um, it, it really just boils down to just, you have to, first of all, it involves risk. And that's something that a lot of people are adverse to because there is a system in place and the system works. Cool. I get it. But if you want to go ahead and carve personal time out and spend maybe 15 minutes exploring an idea and pitch that, you know, um, by all means, bring that up or at least ask. Say, hey, how do I go about sharing an idea that I might have, you know? And um, and obviously, you know, the person that is either been there for a while or your supervisor or whatnot um, will let you know. And if they don't let you know, if they don't know, say, OK, well, if you don't know them, then who else can I ask? You know, and, you know, generally, for the most part, they'll just tell you, hey, ask Richard, you know. So, yeah, so just it's just a matter of just deciding if you need permission to ask about sharing ideas. You have my permission that you go. You have permission. If you have an idea, you can share it. I hope that helps. Thomas Edison believed analogies was the key to invention. Taking ideas or solutions from one context and applying it to a completely different or personalized context. There is a key foundation to take an idea that was made for one purpose and reconfiguring it, recombining it, repurposing it towards something that's completely unrelated to that particular intended use that it had originally. Now, to break that down, just in case that was a a large pill, it's the act of stealing ideas and not just copying. You can steal elements of ideas and use them for a completely different purpose. Let's say that hypothetically, let's say hypothetically, you have a, let's say that you have a blender and the blender is used for cut for obviously for food it's for use for for blending and you can liquefy and you can chop and you can mince um or you can just blend 
there's usually several settings on that blender, but the blender turns and it has an engine and it has a motor that allows it to turn. So you say, hmm, this has an engine, it has a lot of horsepower, what could it be used for? So let's say that you decide to take apart that blender and keeping it functioning, and you decide to go to the hobby shop and pick up a, we'll say those, those little CC motor cars, and you decide to use that for the engine and test it out to see how it works. You kind of, you, this is probably going to seem kind of dated, but you basically MacGyver your way into a new engine using the motor from the, from the blender and then putting it on this RC pro car. I'm not sure how that's going to work. I don't know anything about, about like CCs and that type of, you know, speed system, but you get the idea of taking something from one purpose and kind of repurposing it into something else, something with one intention and then repurposing it into something else. And this is something that we do in our side and in our society all the time. We do it a lot with music, like with the whole rock rap genre that happened for a little while. And there was even a country rap mashup that happened. I had a very, very, very short fuse. So um, Nelly, good shot at that, but that didn't exactly uh, go over as planned, um, or at least for the long run. But you guys get the idea. So there is that there is the combination of taking two seemingly unrelated things or taking one thing and one idea or one type of function and looking at the how it would operate in completely different areas or completely different types of landscapes for for whatever purpose it could serve and that could also create a new idea i remember the idea for post-it notes i can't remember the name of the person that created post-it notes but i do know that it was created in a lab and the post-it notes was a, it was this adhesive that one of the doctors had made and, um, and they used the, they couldn't, they're trying to figure out okay, what's a good use for this adhesive. We know that it's, it'll, it'll kind of like it's, it was gooey and kind of wet at first, but they noticed that when it dried, it kind of stuck to stuff. It had, it was basically like a double-sided tape. It had that function. So it was decided to go ahead and put this on a bunch of someone decided to hey i'll go ahead and put this on one side of paper and i can post it and it, it sticks it doesn't move cool perfect i'll just use that for for notes or whatever so i can remember to use this adhesive and from that point on obviously someone noticed it they asked about it you know requests for duplicates were made and then obviously that became popular and then um i think that what happened was the the maker wanted to sell it to the company that he was working in, but the company rejected it and said, no, we don't have any use for that. That's not going to do anything. So he said, okay, cool. So he took, takes his idea and he leaves, starts creating them on his own and he starts marketing it, starts sharing it with other people. And then traction builds, people start offering money and he goes, okay, takes the money, starts flipping, starts growing, starts flipping, starts growing. And now we have, post-it notes so don't judge an idea too soon and um and yeah so there's always some kind of ways to kind of repurpose ideas and kind of flex them and bend them into something that could be useful in the long run 
this allows for a stretch of the imagination and simulated experiences that can cross-pollinate inside the mind or in the head. Yeah, by stretching that imagination, you can definitely cross-pollinate ideas and get them to kind of play with each other, kind of dance with each other in a way that will allow them to really grow into something new, useful, unique. And that growth will, is something you can constantly explain, expand and play with. Uh, by stealing pieces of one idea and directly apply them to another, you'll find that ideas are all around more often when you search for them. So seek and you shall find, essentially. Whenever you're looking for something, you'll find it. If you're looking for a better way to get to your destination, you will find one. If you are looking for a better way to optimize your health, you will find it. If you're looking for a better way to save money, you will find it. It's not like good things come to those who wait. It's like, no, good things comes to those who look for good things. It's mandatory that you seek out whatever it is that you're looking for, especially if it's the truth. If you seek out the truth, you will find it. It might piss you off at first, <laughs> but man, what I look for that, but, um, <laughs> But it will find you. And upon looking for it, you will discover the truth. So, yeah, I don't think that ideas are, they don't really hide. They're just simply waiting to be discovered. They're lying around all around us. And they're waiting for you to get into the right state in order to find or spot that idea. So ideas are everywhere. But it really boils down to the mentality and the focus and what you're currently looking for and what you're tuned into in that frequency of of attention, that frequency of receptiveness, and that frequency of curiosity that really, really is going to accelerate your experience when you're trying to discover something pronounced that's new to you. When the mind is employed about a variety of objects, it is somehow expanded and enlarged. Adam Smith. Ideas don't just have to come from your own experience. You can actually get these ideas from other people's experiences. They don't always have to just be your own or your own network or the fashion of them or consumer or audience if you're dealing with a product or service. These ideas can be fashioned from customers and your audience if you're willing to ask them about their opinion or some of their complaints even. You can even elicit ideas and solutions by asking them about their pain points, frustrations, and aggravations about either your product or service or someone else's product or service. So you can leverage that to use in someone else's, you know, to use for your benefit. You could use that pain and that that aggravation and the maybe the the missed opportunity that the competitor or supplier may not have necessarily struck on and you could use that to provide a solid solution for that particular audience and it's something that is done quite often as a matter of fact 
that's something to can take into consideration when you're trying to come up with something that the people would actually want or a way that you could actually better serve them is to ask them what it is that they want. And so you have to be careful though, because you don't want to completely depend on them to resolve all the issues that you may be having. But what you can do is elicit even some basic advice or basic suggestions, we'll call them, on what they could want and how you can actually use that. Yeah, that's something that you can definitely tap into when you're creating a specific product or service. Sometimes, and more often than not, asking people who are not associated with your knowledge or understanding of an idea could potentially lead to broadening it. The broadening of an idea by asking someone who has nothing to do with your product or service or nothing to do with what you actually offer can be used and it can be leveraged. And it is something that you can go ahead and actually employ and and ask, say, hey, what do you think of this product and how do you perceive it? Or what is your initial gut feeling about that product? And that is something you can actually take time to ask. And, you know, maybe the reception that you might get might be something unexpected simply because you literally have someone from the outside who's unfamiliar with it looking in and they will give you their gut reaction. So that can be very, very helpful when you're trying to thinking about an idea and trying to facilitate or move in a direction that might better serve the end that you're trying to create with that product itself. So, so yeah, so feel free to ask someone, say, Hey, what do you think of this? What's your first impression of it? Do you think it works? Do you think it sends the message that I'm trying to send? And either they'll give you positive feedback or negative feedback, but you won't know until you actually ask. So that's just something you're going to have to go ahead and try. And who knows, you might get a surprise response about a new angle that could actually help you that you may have been completely unaware of initially. Look into different disciplines. You can look into a different discipline that's unassociated, such as manufacturing, science, the arts, finance, sports, music, photography, literature, architecture, biography, botany, film, mathematics, cooking, and the list goes on. You can look and explore into different disciplines with the perspective of yours and you might find unique connections. You might discover that there's something within cooking that applies to mathematics, which that was kind of an easy one because it's always measuring and temperature and scale and weight and proportions. Taking something like botany and combining that with sports, for example, that might be a little different. Maybe you might come up with a new glove design for baseball players, a catcher's mitt for a baseball glove could be inspired by a lotus. There's plenty of space in that realm to really play around with, explore, 
see how it goes and see where it goes and seeing if there is something uniquely different versus what you had experienced before. And you might find that there is something in that that would benefit you or something that you can explore, play around with, do and try and just see if there's something that suits your fancy and there just might be something in there for you to to really combine and you know take into account but there's all kinds of combinations even within things like film and architecture there's a lot everyone has like a camera on their phone or either a computer there's tons of editing software and you also have google where you can go ahead and look up images there's also pinterest and instagram where you can go and you can search these images and you can look up Maybe you decide to do a video on architecture or a video on shapes or on the line work or the geometry of buildings of architecture and make that into a series of films. Or maybe you're just passionate about it and you want to capture that maybe for a series. So there's plenty of ways to to get out of where you are, getting out of your area of familiarity and exploring someone else's world. And you might find something interesting happen. You might find that your intuitive understanding of what you've already been exposed to begins to find its way into that new experience in a way that creates a completely new frame on, on how you're perceiving your work which happens a lot to artists in general, just because they decided to get out of their comfort zone and decided to go ahead and explore something that was completely different, something that was not a part of their original intent and really find something unique and something special in even their own field, just because they decided to step out and explore something else for a little while and their heart actually becomes fonder because of the distance and the space that they allowed themselves to breathe in something new. Don't cover your ideas. More will come back to you. Ideas are always around us, floating around in front of us, behind us, beneath us. So the idea that someone else is going to steal your idea it's few and far between. There are there. Every idea has been thought of. Every possible idea of something happening has already been imagined by the human mind. Now, not everything has been executed. Not everything has been brought into fruition. Not everything has been actually touched upon and given life. That has been yet to happen consistently. There's way too many ideas that we have versus what we've actually experienced on a consistent basis. Just, just, I mean, even just in our imagination alone, the thoughts that, that you and I have on a regular basis, there's just, there's just a lot of things that we're thinking about. There's a lot of things that's going back and forth. And so as these ideas are going back and forth, as our minds are kind of shifting and shoveling and puzzling and putting pieces together and asking new questions and formulating answers and trying to fill in the gap of what we don't know that essentially that unknown component, there's way too much that's happening 
for us to even keep track of. I mean, we can only focus on what what's happening around us here at the moment. So even when the things that are around us, even our eyes will simply focus on what's most important and it will tune everything out because to take everything in would just be too overwhelming. But even though it all goes into our subconscious and it gets stored there, we don't have to consciously be aware of every single thing that's going on every single moment. And this is the same way that our minds work when it comes to, you know, combining new ideas is that your brain will just come up with all kinds of stuff and it'll just keep going and keep flowing. Like even now, as I'm talking to you, there's ideas that are coming out and there's certain things that, you know, that I'm focusing on to, to just deliver the content, just talking as it's, as things are coming up. So there's always these, these moments um, of unpredictability that are happening simply because that's just the way our minds work. So embracing that there's all kinds of ideas and that you will never run out and to sit and back and covet an idea and say, Hey, well, I don't want to share that with anybody else because you know, somebody might steal it. I mean, unless you're looking for like venture capital or something like that for your idea, then I mean, there's really no point in hogging it, especially if you're not going to do anything with it. You're really better off just either executing the idea or letting it go and moving on to something until you come into something that's going to be maybe better suited to what you are attuned to or what it is that you want to attain. That is my two and a half cents on that. Want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. This is part four. And in the next episode, we're going to have part five. We actually talk about the benefits of having a system. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, share with your family and friends. I know we have to do more plugs in here in this section. There's still a lot more going on here. So yeah, so there's still a lot more going on here uh, that we have to go ahead and get into place. But thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in. And I was looking forward to touching base with you again in the next episode when we cover part five modeling habits and strength.